It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Cramer's in Frisco, Texas. More on that in just a moment. Meantime, buckle up for the busiest week of earnings season, 178 S&P companies report this week, including plenty of mega cap tech, also some critical inflation data. We're seven trading days out from that Fed decision. Our roadmap this morning begins with a critical week for corporate results. As we said, a third of the S&P, almost half the Dow set to report. Plus, it is a big week for big tech riding the rally that has moved markets so far this year. Alphabet, Microsoft, Meta, Amazon, all on deck. And shares of Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah, well, they're beyond. They're down uh, 99% last year. It files for bankruptcy protection, finally, Carl. Let's begin with Jim, uh, who can explain what's up with Texas this morning, Jim. Well, we're down here to look at what I regard as being enemy territory, admittedly, but I'm at, I'm at the star at Frisco. This is another Jerry Jones world, just kind of like... Uh, Jerry land uh, where the stadium is. But this is a practice field behind me. We actually have real legitimate cowboys here. Can't touch the ball, but they're throwing, I don't know, say invisible balls. And uh, this is just one of the most exciting places on earth because it's a brand new city. It does remind me of Disney World. Uh, stock would be 120th if it was part of this. And I, what I have to tell you is I got Kotaro on, which is natural gas and oil. And I've got uh, the, I think, a, Maybe the interview of the day, which is Southwest Air. We've got to find out what's really going on there. But it's Jerryville. And what Jerry's got to say is don't forget he's, got, he's big on natural gas. Obviously, he's big on how to value things. And, David, i got to tell you, I, what the spirit down here and what, what Jones is accomplishing is only – it's unique to Texas. You just don't find it anywhere else in the country. David, they love capitalism down here. It's kind of an odd thing. So are you going to stay and maybe not come back? Uh, no, because every second's torture, because um, this is a world that is opposite of the Eagles. But I accept it. For today, I am a cowboy. I will admit that. Today, I am a cowboy. That's what you have to say. You have to accept that, Carl. I am a cowboy. <laughs> we'll save that piece of tape, maybe, and, and play it later. Um, so let's talk some earnings this morning, Jim. It's a busy week, as we said, the busiest. And B of A yesterday over the weekend pointed out, last five earnings cycles, uh, that busy week, Market tends to do pretty well. I think it's going to happen. I mean, when you look at the stars of this week, you've got things like, look, you've, you've got companies, name brand companies like McDonald's. They, they just don't miss. Uh, we've got companies that I think are uh, Amazon. Maybe we get a little more about the about who's being let go. They're, let go, they're letting go of the $500,000 guys, not the $50,000 guys. I think that we're going to see... You know, you're going to see good tech numbers from Alphabet, but we need to see layoffs from Alphabet. It's still going to be the story of tech, which is they need to lay off people. Everybody else is looking for people to hire. David, it's really kind of a an odd thing where you have too many people who make a lot of money in one industry. Uh, Meta has shown you how to do it. We're going to find out maybe even more layoffs at Meta. And then we have other companies that just need employees badly. And I think that you're going to see those companies uh, actually have really good numbers. And a lot of companies, David, I, I, are surprisingly uh, doing much better than people realize. And the, the strategists seem very out of sync. They seem to keep thinking that there's going to be missed numbers. I'm just not seeing it that way at all. And what is the reason that you're not seeing it that way? Because the last week we had the regionals. That, those are the ones that are the weakest part of the U.S. economy. The regional banks did absolutely as awful as we thought. 
We have the last one that I'm worried about, which is tonight at uh, First Republic. And then after that, I, we're just going to have regular plain vanilla companies that do very well at this point. You know, right now we have all the regional banks up. Uh, uh, every single one of those companies disappointed. Every single one. Well, we're, we're past them. And now I've got good quarters coming. Uh, indeed. We did have some activity on Friday night, Jim. Uh, Moody's uh, downgraded uh, several, um, uh, including I think uh, USB was in there. And I think uh, 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 I'm looking for the other ones. But And then, you know, uh, we'll keep an eye on the journal piece over the weekend looking at the argument that the banking crisis, Jim's not over in that a lot of small and medium-sized businesses are getting phone calls, uh, the journal argues right now, saying, you know, come year end, you may not get uh, that loan that you were counting on. And that's sort of be sort of the, the draining uh, credits picture that some argue will be a drain on the, on the overall macro, too. Carl, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things that was outstanding, what everybody talked about from a regional perspective is we have deposits, don't worry. We have deposits. They did not talk about loan growth. They were shying about anything commercial real estate. They're saying, listen, we don't have that much. Uh, these banks do a lot of lending against homes. They do a lot of lendings for auto. It just, to me, seemed like, guys, we're not going to do much at all except for preserve capital. They're waiting for better rules, more clarity from Washington. You know, David, the, these were the banks that kind of, I don't want to call them the backbone, but in every individual town, they were made things grow. There is going to be a big slowdown from these companies. I do hope that the Fed recognizes that when you have a Huntington or a Comerica or a Key not doing that well from the point of view of, of, of worried about being deposits but not worried about growth. I mean, holy cow. These companies were always growth engines. Now all they're saying is we're not going to be a problem. I, I, a lot of these companies, I didn't even know they were thinking that they might have been a problem. Huntington Bank was one. They had a very good quarter, but they went very much to say, listen, we're not in trouble. And if that's what you want to buy a stock for because they're not in trouble, I'm looking elsewhere. I don't I don't need to be with companies that say they're not in trouble. Yeah, well, you're, you're and you're the bigger point may well be, of course, about the credit tightening that we talk so often about that we don't have firm data on, but we all get a sense for and we hear anecdotes about, you know, the latest that I've got is of residential real estate developers, for example, uh, in uh, not in this state, but in others that are, you know, basically saying, listen, um, it started with the money center banks. Then we went to the regional banks for our latest projects. But then SVB happened, saying it even was beginning prior to, Jim, the SVB collapse. Uh, and the market's frozen. You know, lender for our latest project, Tier 1 City, backed out. We had to speak to over 100 banks. This is some, something that, uh, that I was written about uh, to me. Um, and not one will provide financing. So, you know, it's those kinds of anecdotes you hear. And you wonder, when is that going to start to show up? Obviously, in real estate markets and new construction and just in general in terms of the economic impact. Look, I think it's I think it's next quarter. Uh, what's surprising me is, is that because we had this work from home phenomena, no one wants to lend to build uh, any big construction project, I think, is going to be uh, that you had on the on the board isn't going to get financing. And, you know, Carl, when you look at what's going on in the country, you just do not have a, a lot of people who want to do anything big because big means real money. And these banks are, are going to say, look, we do not we're not committing to real big projects because we've got to keep our money safe until we have more clarity from the government. And, you know, that's just not a situation where you see where you're going to see a lot of cranes. If you want to see cranes, you got to go to Europe. That's where they're built more than they are in this country at this point. Yeah. Rather yeah. astonishing. 
Well, it's definitely drawn a lot more eyeballs to uh, some of the uh, staples and household names. Coke's a story today, 68 cents beats 65, organic up 12. And here, Jim, we got a case where volume did not take away uh, or offset price and mix uh, with volume up one and, and global case volume up three. Yeah, James Quincy told me, look, this is the CEO. This was just a, a really an extraordinary quarter, a breakout quarter. I agree with that. A uh, couple things to note is that there were still inflation system. The, there's still inflation in the sweetener. Uh, there's still inflation uh, some, to some degree in other juices. Not a lot of inflation, by the way, in, in we're not seeing a lot of inflation in cans, which is very positive. But India was called out as being terrific. And by the way, chat GPT was called out as being terrific. Being able to be able to maybe have a little more advertising being done internally. People worth a lot more because they have uh, they're augmented by artificial intelligence. I was surprised he called that out in India because these were new themes that I'd not heard from Coca-Cola before this. Jack and Coke ready to hit the country very strong. That's going to be a, a very positive addition to what he's got already. You know, look, I got to tell you, David, when you're. When you're worried about earnings, you don't worry about Coke. This was a very good quarter. Quincy's very strong, and, and they took a lot of share, all positive. Yeah, we're going to have an opportunity, as our viewers probably just saw, to speak directly to Mr. Quincy. I believe he's going to be here on set with us uh, in the next hour of uh, Squawk on the Street. Not on set, sorry. Mistake on my part. But he still will be live, right, guys? Live. Live. Very all live. Right. Yeah, very, very live. live. He's alive, and he will be live. Um, you know, so you speak AI. I'm looking at a Morgan Stanley note, Jim. It's about Meta specifically, but it, it's broader than that. How can AI drive upside to estimates and key catalysts ahead? Um, I mean, every, I don't know what you're hearing down there, but everybody I speak to wants to speak about the power of AI these days. ChatGPT, productivity saves, how embedded it's going to become in so many different organizations in terms of potentially upending uh, work in terms of jobs, but also increasing productivity significantly. This particular note, because you just mentioned AI in, in regard to, uh, to Coke, is about Meta, and they're analyzing the potential impacts of AI to the economy and consumer internet space, and see Meta benefiting from AI-driven enhancements across core Facebook and Instagram. Look, it is, it, it's relatively unknown how close Meta is with NVIDIA. They've been working together on a lot of projects. You've not seen any of it yet. I think you're going to see it this quarter. I think this is the quarter where you turn to Instagram, which number is going to be good. Uh, this is a quarter where you talk about artificial intelligence and reels, how well it's, uh, that, that it's going to develop. And it's a quarter where you're not going to hear a lot about the metaverse because Mark Zuckerberg has been spending almost zero time in the metaverse. He's been spending time with core business. Uh, and look, I think that I want to hear what, what's going to happen in New York. They obviously don't need as many people in New York. They've got a lot of real estate in New York. This is a retrenchment quarter and an AI quarter and another a quarter where I think even though the stocks move tremendously, it's not done going up. They have they are letting go of very expensive people. And you've got another month or two of where they're still doing uh, the packages. They're going to hurt their quarter. And then it's away we go. I think 2023 second half is going to be gigantic for Meta. And people have to start realizing if TikTok is banned, all the numbers go up huge. I don't think TikTok will be. But, man, if you can slow down TikTok and move it to Reels, David, that would be gigantic for Meta. Uh, we're going to find out more, obviously. They print on Wednesday night uh, on what is, as we said, an extremely busy uh, earnings week. Coming up after the break, uh, CEO Jeff Schell stepping down from our parent company. 
NBC Universal following this investigation into inappropriate conduct. Not a huge data day today. We'll get Dallas Fed at 1030, uh, but that inactivity will not last long as we're going to get some key numbers really in the back half of the week, uh, PCE and Chicago PMI and so forth. Back after the break. NBC Universal CEO Jeff Schell is leaving the company effective immediately following this investigation into inappropriate conduct. In a statement, parent company Comcast CEO Brian Roberts and President Mike Cavanaugh said, quote, we are disappointed to share this news with you. We built this company on a culture of integrity. Nothing is more important than how we treat each other. You should count on your leaders to create a safe and respectful workplace. When our principles and policies are violated, we will always move quickly to take appropriate action as we have done here. Meantime, uh, David Street's taking a look, I would argue, mostly at the depth of the bench and yeah. other contenders. Uh, Linda Yaccarino, our head of advertising, has been mentioned a couple of times. Yeah, I want to get to that in a minute. I mean, listen, never easy, of course, uh, to discuss these kinds of stories, but particularly when it's somebody that, uh, that you've worked with for years, that you respect, uh, consider, uh, you know, somebody you were uh, a friend of. Um, but this is not some application of some new policy. This is a long existing policy that was in place that was violated clearly uh, by Mr. Shell. And in fact, he's even quoted in the press release talking about uh, his regrets and obviously what was a significant lack of judgment on his part. As to all of the speculation right now about who would take over as CEO of NBC Universal, I think people should become accustomed to saying the name Mike Cavanaugh. Um, Everything that I have heard uh, and that I've picked up at this point indicates that there is no rush whatsoever to appoint somebody to Mr. Shell's position. Uh, and in fact, Mike Kavanaugh, only recently elevated to the position of president at Comcast, is going to be running NBC Universal, not on an interim basis, but on a uh, what may end up being a longer term uh, time period. Um, we're not even talking months here perhaps, but even longer. Um, that said, it doesn't mean that this position will remain empty uh, or is going to be eliminated. There is certainly uh, the possibility that at some point they do find uh, a new CEO. But again, um, Mike Kavanaugh is a name that you're going to have to start to hear more often associated with NBC Universal. He is going to be running uh, that company. And again, it is not on an interim basis where they're immediately looking for candidates, whether internal or, or even external, although that does not typically happen. We fill our CFO sometimes, Kavanaugh being a perfect example of Comcast uh, with outsiders. But Carl, that's kind of what I'm hearing and I, would, uh, I think is the bigger takeaway at this point in terms of the management of this company. No shortage of things that are going to have to be considered. Obviously, the Hulu transaction. And what seems to still be more the likelihood that Disney has to, you know, to put his exercise and Disney buys Comcast uh, position in Hulu. But we will wait and see. Kavanaugh already and Brian Roberts, of course, the CEO, very much involved in that decision. That will continue to be the case uh, and any others that come up as well. But uh, this is now Mike Kavanaugh's company to run. And again, I, I do not believe that is going to be for an interim basis. Jim, any thoughts on this uh, or some of the the hard questions that legacy media companies are having to make. There's news out this morning uh, from our network about uh, the new round of uh, Disney layoffs, maybe as many as uh, as uh, uh, 4,000 or several thousand as of today. Well, look, I don't think it's ever been as important a time to have someone uh, who has finance background 
running these divisions because Peacock's losing a lot of money. Someone might have some tough decisions there. There's tough decisions involving Disney and Hulu. But I think there's also, it's not existential. We talk about this, David, that you know that this industry is, needs to be able to consolidate. And yet, at the same time, the attorney general uh, for antitrust is against any sort of consolidation. So I think that you need a finance person just to figure out how to not lose a lot of money in some divisions that are very ad challenged or subscription challenged. So others that could shine. I mean, you know, David, our theme park, what are, yes, I work for Comcast. Our theme park business makes a fortune. I would love to see that more emphasized. All we ever talk about is entertainment. How about something that's doing incredibly well and that I think can shine because Kavanaugh understands finance. I think it matters more than ever. Yeah, well, theme parks, obviously, as you point out, a very important component of the overall growth uh, at NBC Universal. I can remember, of course, when the deal with GE was originally done, it was an asterisk. It was not really considered a, a growth engine at all, but Harry Potter changed much of that, as you say, for the parks, uh, Jim. Yeah, listen, Kavanaugh has a long history in finance, obviously, um, as CFO way, way back. I remember him at JP Morgan, moving up in that organization, uh, briefly at Carlisle, and then, of course, coming over to. Uh, to Comcast as CFO and, and president. But um, you're right. Now, there are many of the all the division leaders who will then report into him. They're running those things. I don't know what his ability to pick a hit, hit movie is, Carl, or not. But that would not seem to be the focus at this point, as Jim says. Uh, financial discipline is an important component of these businesses right now. Uh, yeah. One reason uh, Wolf today takes Disney to 147 uh, on the prospect of getting some fiscal discipline and then benefiting from it uh, on the back half. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll count down to the opening bell. Uh, we are in that Fed blackout window, so this week will be blessedly free of some Fed speak. Take a look at futures. More Squawk on the Street when we come back. All right, let's get to a Mad Dash. Of course, we've got uh, about seven-plus minutes till we get an opening bell here to start the week. It's New York to Dallas. What do you got, Jim? OK, so, David, a long time ago, I said that Bed Bath could be ripe for an LBO a takeover because they kept buying back stock. Well, David, they bought back stock into oblivion. And you have been saying for quite a long time that the financial situation here was precarious. Dead right uh, closes six billion in revenue still up for grabs. Share donor to everybody, especially Target, which is next door to a lot of them. What I thought was most interesting is that they're in eight different real estate investment trusts. You know, David, that every single one of them has demand for this for these spaces because there hasn't been that many companies that have gone away. So positive for the REITs, surprisingly, positive for Target and negative for the fact that this was one of the worst run companies I've ever seen. Yeah, and listen, you and I sat, I remember, you did it as a mad dash through the years oftentimes, sometimes a little more positive than not, but we always pointed out to the True. enormous amount of stock that they bought back. And as time went on, and I'm talking years here, always at higher prices than where the stock was. It, <laughs> it crushed them with the debt load that they took on to do that. Uh, just such a terrible story about finance. At the same time, you know, Mark Tritton came in a couple years ago. He came from Target. He tried to reinvent the stores. A lot of people were angry at him. But you know what? They, Amazon was going to crush him unless they reinvented it. They got a lot of private label. But then uh, most of it was sourced from China. Then we had COVID. That was the end of the sourcing. So the stores didn't have any old stuff, didn't have any new stuff. The coupons kind of went away. Then they came back. All I can tell you, David, is the reinvention was as failed as the buyback. Um, expand, though, a little bit on why this is not a bad thing for the REITs who own the space that uh, Bed Bath is now going to be abandoning. What I heard is that there are multiple bidders for the space 
uh, Bed Bath had been in there for a long time in each one of these cases, so they can raise the rents dramatically. A surprising number, this has been one of those moments where uh, retail's been actually very strong. We would have had more than Party City, David Bridal, and Bed Bath go under at this point, given, given the fact of, of what the Fed's doing. So, look, we had a lot of, a lot of companies that want that real estate. Uh, this, the actual strip malls in the country, like the Kimco's, are doing incredibly well. Uh, I do think that when I spoke with Brian Cornell, he's very anxious. He, he knows he's going to take a lot of, of what is of what was left of Bed Bath, but $6 billion up for grabs is not nothing. So uh, it's not bad. It's not a bad situation for everybody else. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye, Bed Bath. The opening bell just a few minutes away. Remember, of course, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Some interesting data today out of Apollo looking at cell phone activity in downtown areas compared to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, New York City, about three quarters of the way back, but San Francisco, 31 percent of the 2019 levels. Uh, Boston's in there at 54. Um, Interesting implications, Jim, for for downtown uh, urban office activity. You know, SL Green on Thursday did say uh, recent evidence of higher office utilization in our portfolios. Their argument is that on many workdays, uh, occupancy is back to 60 percent. Well, I know. I, I Look, I appreciated that conference call. They, they put a, a they, look, they put a little lipstick on the pig there. We do not have a downtown uh, renaissance anywhere. We have th- people coming back. But the permanence of, of off Friday is extraordinary. And Monday. And the permanence about the idea. <laughs> and Monday. I mean, they, not you, off, you don't but nobody was, nobody's. Nobody was on the subway this morning. It was empty again. It's although, weird. Although we just did four million rides for the first time this past week. Yeah, but it's when that was a Wednesday I, I or just, Thursday. I just it think had to be. Yeah. you do not want to build in downtown. That's what I think is going to slow down. Again, the Fed must realize this is not good for building. They have to understand building is a giant part of the economy. Let's get the opening bell in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. With the big board, it's the Arbor Day Foundation and at the NASDAQ, a venture capital firm, uh, GGV Capital. A bunch of our friends there are ringing the bell. It's good to see. So, Jim, um, I guess we'll keep an eye on Coke today, uh, but tomorrow we're going to have Verizon, UPS, McDonald's, GM, 3M, and a bunch of others. All right, so UPS has labor issues. We've got to find out about that. Dividend looks good. Uh, obviously, Coca-Cola is going to be excellent. Uh, I do, you know, there's a couple companies that, that are worrisome. And, David, let's start with Verizon. I mean, we had ATT. ATT was probably the worst quarter so far. Uh, that's a poorly run company that doesn't seem to have any direction. I say that uh, very lovingly because I'm right here in Texas, not that far. They may be a stone's throw, but I think I'd rather throw a nuclear warhead. They just do not have it together at all. Uh they're not exactly right here. But, David, I've got to tell you, what happened to Verizon? Verizon was always the one that we looked to for Steady Eddie. What happened there? Well, for many years, they succeeded on the strength of their network, um, on the idea that they had by far the best network. Uh, and then their ability to compete on that, I think, changed um, and has changed, especially in the 5G world where it's not as clear. And I think that's a lot of it. Um, they stayed at a higher price point, perhaps, than some of their other competitors for longer than, the, than they should have. 
Uh, and we all know about competition in general, Jim. We talk about it not just between AT&T and T-Mobile, which, of course, is now the leader and by far the market cap leader as well, uh, and Verizon, but also the cable companies. Our parent company, Comcast, uh, and Charter through its Spectrum brand uh, are significant competitors now. They are reselling Verizon, essentially, but they have made for significant competition. So those are some of the key questions. Um, with differences in approach from each of the three, Jim. But you're right, we'll keep a close eye on Verizon's quarter. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about a very low growth business overall. Uh, it, it's rather extraordinary that T-Mobile out of nowhere. I mean, look, Mike Siebert is a terrific CEO. John Leisure put this thing on the map. And they just take share, take share, take share. David, how about all those different forays of Verizon into, say, content? Those, none of that's work, right? No. Um, you know, Yahoo, AOL, that's all gone. Uh, that didn't work, as you know. Um, that was not a success. And at this point, so many of the, I mean, I think this is across the board, the promise of 5G, if you recall, Jim, was not about, you know, us really. It was much more about the enterprise and what you're going to be able to do and all the different things that were going to be enabled. It feels like it hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it won't. Um, but it, it's still early days. Maybe that's another wave yet to come that will be and prove to be uh, a profitable area for all of the wireless carriers. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, Carl, that I'm focused on when I hear Verizon is Apple. I mean, the only real uh, edge that you can have in this phone business is giving away Apple at a better price than the other guys. And Verizon has to do that. I think we're going to find out that phone sales are quite strong. Uh, that's not the problem with, with these companies. Apple, by the way, has held up tr remarkably well. You know that Coca-Cola talked about India being really good. We haven't seen what Apple's doing in, uh, in India. And I just think that that's uh, if you listen to Verizon and you get a line that that Apple's sales are good, people are going to take Apple up ahead of the quarter. And I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, I feel that you should not trade Apple. You should own it. Yeah, interesting. And Morgan Stanley today looks at examples where Apple has uh, beaten, raised on the March quarter, Jim. And on the day, week, and month following, uh, outperforms the S&P by 3 to 5% if there's a beaten raise on March. Uh, it's, look, one of the reasons why this is kind of a, I'm, I'm going to call it a joyous earnings period historically, is Apple, because Apple is such a huge part of, the, of, of every index. David, you know Apple is over-indexed with everywhere, and yet I never meet any institutional people who want to own Apple. It's owned by individuals. The institutions like to hedge it, like to short it. They do all sorts of crazy things based on reports that are completely, uh, I think, ignorant of the situation. It's it's just a good company, David. It's got great growth. Uh, and a lot of it is because they're taking share from pretty much everybody. And as a country gets more affluent, whether it be Indonesia, whether it be Brazil, whether it be India, they go Apple. It's one of the things that happens to a more affluent, affluent country. Well, they do have one really large holder whose name is Buffett. He owns a lot, right? Uh, yeah, he's got some, yeah, that he has Oxy, uh, Apple, Coca-Cola. We, we have not mentioned. Well, but, Apple, uh, he plays Apple a major role because he stocks up. As a dollar amount, Apple is far in excess of anything else, right, that, they, uh, that Berkshire owns. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, look, it's not the way that the company's stock trades, but it was a major positive decision to buy a lot. Uh, Oxy, by the way, just by the uh, sheer force of his buying, Oxy does well versus the other oils. So, yeah, he played a huge role in Apple because he just sops it up. A and I don't know. I mean, it was just one of the greatest investment decisions of all time. 
Uh, as for uh, today, Jim, in the, in the absence of other uh, big market-moving dynamics, some of the sell-side calls are having some influence. Medtronic's near the top of the list this morning as a Wells goes to overweight, uh, goes to 100 from 77. And then I think you'd probably like the PPG upgrade, too. Yes, PPG had a pre-announcement and then, pre then announced even better. They've got raw costs down. They've got good paint sales. Remember, this is a company that really is into architectural coatings, uh, which is terrific. They're architectural coatings for, uh, for, air, for all, all of uh, uh, every airplane, which is a fabulous business right now. Uh, Met you know, Medtronic has been a, a hideous performer. And one of the reasons it's been hitting performers is that they just have been second rate versus a lot of different companies, whether it comes to diabetes. All of their med tech has just been uh, abysmal. So maybe this is the beginning of a turn. It's about time. They've seeded a lot of share to everybody. We didn't mention J&J. &J. The roadshow for Kenview starts today, which is a consumer product company. Uh, they bulked up on med tech to, to compete in some degree against Medtronic. So let's watch that J&J roadshow. That's going to be the largest IPO of the year, by the way. David, you know, there haven't been a lot of IPOs. This one is going to be the big one. Let's see if it works. I was surprised to see that they're going to try to sell $3.5 billion worth of stock. Why is that, David? Why do they need to do that? I don't know. Why would, if you can, why wouldn't you? You raise a good amount of money. Uh, and you, uh, you know, I mean, more importantly, though, is the valuation that they obviously get for the whole. Right. Aren't they hoping for yes. what? Something like 20 times earnings. It looked like uh, what? As much as 40 billion dollars. Correct, Jim? Correct. And they've got better, the growth accelerated because of flu season. You have about 7 percent growth. J&J uh, &J has been deeply uh, it's been taunted by talc. Uh, the the terrible ovarian cancer stories. And they're trying to get it all. Uh, they need all those. They need the judge, the bankruptcy court judge to be respected right. by the Third Circuit. Uh, Court of Appeals, which has been against what they're trying to do. They need to get these cow cases behind them. $8.9 billion. They want to make it so that, that the lawyers and the plaintiffs are worried that this is going to go away if it ever gets to the Supremes. But J&J &J is not trading on anything other than talc. It's not yeah. trading on Kenview. The, uh, there's been a lack of respect of these deals that are like Halion, where people just say, listen, these are not the consumer product stocks we want. But J&J, Kenview's got Neutrogena, it's got Tylenol, it's got Listerine, uh, it's got Aveeno. They've got some pretty good brands within there. I think yeah. it's going to be liked, not loved by Wall Street. Liked, the not and, loved. And, and the top liability, obviously, uh, U.S. and Canada is outside of Kenview. It's not there, although apparently yes. foreign liability for, for talc is included. Um, you never know. Um, Guys, and Jim, I want to come to a name that you had mentioned earlier, actually, on Squawk Box. It's Getty Images. We've talked about it a bit. I just want to issue a warning here to people about this latest uh, letter from this thing called Trillium Capital, in which it says the principals of Trillium own hundreds of thousands of shares. By the way, that may be as little as a couple million bucks worth of stock. And it's the principals of Trillium that own it. Why am I mentioning this? Because they've made a non-binding proposal to buy the company for 10 bucks a share in cash. But of course, a non-binding proposal contingent on a lot of different things, including they want to engage, they got to do due diligence, they got to get financing, and on from there. Please, please, everybody, be careful with this. Uh, I don't know who this guy, Scott Murray, is who runs, or who at least is in charge here. He's a CEO and entrepreneur. Apparently, he's not very good at taking a picture, but he does want to buy Getty Images. Um, haven't been able to get him on the phone. <laughs> there he is. It's kind of a crooked, I mean, I don't know. Oh.
you know, but he wants to go. run Getty. Or, or they would really benefit, apparently, Jim, from his inclusion on the board of directors. This is the latest in what's been a series of different headlines from them. April 11th, open letter. April 13th, hire an investment banking firm. April 14th, give us a seat on the board. April 17th, outline a path for revenue growth, or we are going to outline a path, and now we want to buy all of you. Please, everyone out there, be cautious on this. Contingent on so many different wow. things. Seems to have a very high likelihood of not, not, not happening. Can't speak to the right, fundamentals so of the company, though, Jim. Say you, again? Let me give you a counter to that. Uh, forget that guy. I mean, that guy sounds like uh, a, Ryan Cohen on steroids. And, but what I would say is it's a good company. And it's supposed to make money next year. It's a SPAC that's going to turn out to be good. It did jump to 34.35 because, you know, the lunacy of how SPACs first traded. But Getty's real. He may not be. But the company itself... It, it is very deeply involved with chat uh, GPT. It was mentioned directly by uh, by Jensen Wong in the quarter for NVIDIA. Why? Because you take their images, then you give Adobe some copy. Uh, and you make it so that Adobe is going to be your cash register. And then you just say, look, I, I want to get an image of and then you figure out what you're selling. And bingo. And by the way. Coca-Cola talked about this. This is being used right now for advertising. And you need the images of Getty to make the advertising work. So let's, I don't know about this takeover guy. There's some very good holders of Getty. But I like this company very much. And I just think people have to realize it's one of the few SPACs that I ever get behind because it will be profitable. It yeah. will be profitable. Next year, it could be extremely profitable. All right. Well, as you point out, the Getty family, Coke Industries, Newberger Berman, of course, a very large holder as well here in terms of what they did with the SPAC that then... Uh, ended up taking this thing public. Um, as for Trillium, I have nothing on them. Uh, and this guy, although he says that he has decades of experience in corporate governance, strategy, finance, technology, and building scale companies. And I would point out their last press release had them owning 500,000 shares. This one now says their principals own hundreds of thousands of shares. Please hundreds just be careful. But there it is, up 40% on this. And it's got a real market cap still, hey, too. Hey, David. Yo. David. Yeah, I, I'm here. I see, I see Trillium. I see Trillium, and I go to 1050. <laughs> well, I, look, I, yeah. why not? I mean, that guy has his, almost as many shares. I mean, I can just go by that and put it in my trust depth. and make a 1050 bid. And then, you know what? The farce will continue. Might yep. be the Dayton Hudson bid. Dayton Hudson, one? baby. There you go. You nailed it. That's right. You got a good memory. Um, all right, let's talk about something that is real, guys. Uh, and we're going to get news on. Let's call it in the next couple of days. Could be Wednesday, could be as soon as tomorrow. And that is the CMA, remember the UK Regulatory Authority, issuing their final decision on whether or not Microsoft should be, in their opinion at least, allowed to proceed with its transaction to acquire Activision, the current price for that deal, 95 bucks a share in cash. Remember, we've been following this for some time. First, when the CMA came out with its initial ruling, we said, ooh, this thing looks mostly dead. Because it was because they said it could harm UK gamers. It was fair. It was strongly worded, though somewhat differently worded than previous denials, if you want to call it that. And then it was a little over six weeks later, they changed their opinion and said, all right, we don't see it causing substantial damage to the gaming business. We're still concerned about the cloud side of it, and we're going to investigate that. The final report, though, is due April 26th. Maybe we hear something as soon as tomorrow. 
This is a big one. This is a big one because if it should unexpectedly now, and you can see what's happened to Activision stock price, of course, be a negative, if they should still come out and say, you know what, we're not convinced, which seems unlikely, but it's still possible, deal's dead, deal's done. Um, that said, if, as the market now seems to believe, based on that reversal uh, and a lot of other little data points that we've gotten or things we hear that we're not completely sure about in terms of being able to confirm with reporting, uh, if, in fact, they do say, okay, then we move on. EU is expected to come soon. We may start to hear about it very soon. That's expected to be a yes. So got China out there. And then, of course, you have our own FTC. Um, which right now is saying, hey, we're going to have an administrative law judge rule on this come late summer. We've got a merger agreement you'd have to extend because that's up on the 18th of July. You've got the prospect that if, in fact, they want to extend it, they might actually at Microsoft have to pay more money to do that, increase their offer. Would they ever consider closing in the face of the FTC? because many believe the FTC's case is incredibly thin. Unlikely, but always a possibility. So we're going to be watching closely. A lot going to hang, of course, on that CMA decision, and then we'll go over all the different scenarios from there. But, of course, Jim, much more likely than it looked even a couple of months ago that this deal will get to the finish line, but still some other potential things that we have to think about if the CMA, as now is expected, or at least more likely than not, gives the nod. Well, look, I, the doctrine has changed here. When I speak to CEOs uh, offline about the idea of mergers, they just say, look, let's just put that on hold. The antipathy of this administration to mergers has made it so that people are just afraid. David, I've got to tell you, the idea that this is really anti-competitive, is, I, I think, is ludicrous. But we're in an era where a lot of people feel that there were too many deals made, that there were too many things that happened that were considered to be anti-competitive, and now everybody has to pay for that. And, David, you know these. I mean, what's going to happen? Is Call of Duty, the price going to go up? Are, are there fewer game writers all of a sudden if this gets bought? I, I just think it's farcical. But it is a, a, it's a shot across the bow for anybody who's considering in communications, anybody who's considering in oil, and even in oil and gas, but machinery, it doesn't matter. Everybody in these, in, in these agencies, David, has said, you know what, deals were bad. We should never Done, never agreed that we should never agree to the airline deals. We shouldn't agree to the auto deals. And next thing you know, what do you have? You have uh, people paying the price. Microsoft Activision Blizzard. This doesn't mean there's no reason to block this merger. Not, uh, there wouldn't, there wouldn't the seem to be at least based, correct based on the current law. And that's why many people believe their case is extremely strong. If it does ever go to administrative law judge, there is the possibility, again, that if Microsoft were to say, you know, we're just going to close it and we'll take our chances, that then the FTC would actually go to a, a district court. You would short get a preliminary injunction. Then you'd end up in federal court, which is what we're more accustomed to seeing in terms of them trying to make their case. But you're right, Jim, um, or at least you're right based on everything I hear in terms of what people believe is a very weak case from the FTC's point of view. But they've been willing to take those on, uh, as you point out, in part simply because they're just fighting a, a larger war, they see, which is that consolidation is bad uh, and, and, right. and, and fighting perhaps battles that should better have been fought years ago for deals that perhaps did not or should not 
have been allowed to occur, as you say, in the airline industry, for example. But again, Microsoft, right. we're going to be talking about it maybe as soon as tomorrow, but Carl, likely by Wednesday when we are officially set to hear from UK's antitrust authority. All right, guys, before we go to break, let's get to the bond report, see how treasuries are faring uh, today. Got some uh, stories on the tape regarding hedge funds, at least, adding to their net shorts uh, on treasury futures for the fifth consecutive week. Lost a little bit of steam on the uh, intraday high, but the Dow's up 40, holding on to 4140 now, S&P. We'll be right back. S&P 4140, some of the big gainers, led by First Republic, uh, reporting tonight, along with Whirlpool and Ameriprise. We'll watch the financials as they have... Some of the regionals, at least, have not kept pace with the rebound in the S&P since Silicon Valley Bank. We'll get Stop Trading with Jim after a short break. Don't go anywhere. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Yeah, Carl, one of the themes of EV is that you need a lot of copper. Uh, it's been a, a sense that there's a shortage of copper developing. So Freeport, when they reported, had a lot of speculators in FCX. It was a miserable quarter. I, I really just was just shocked at how little money they, they're taking. They can't seem to take advantage of, of the longer term secular trends. Uh, but at a certain point, it's too cheap because they can handle the situation. I'm looking at this one to be able to say at a certain level, you just have to just say you have to hold your nose and buy. They had some problems in Indonesia that landslide their biggest mine. They have some labor problems in Peru. But copper is back in a big way. So I'm looking for that one to bottom. And then maybe you, you, you decide to go in after the speculators have, have finally left the stock. Yeah. Uh, wow. Copper, Jim, um, hit a low, lowest level since April 5 today. And that's on the back of uh, a dollar that hasn't exactly been on fire. I, I'm shocked that copper's down so much. I mean, honestly, China coming back, you need it in EVs. It's just been a cursed trade. But at a certain point, I got to tell you, because of EVs and, and how much copper you need and because of China, I, I'm interested. Not here. It went up too much, but very soon, very soon. Yeah, we'll definitely hear from some of the legacy OEMs uh, this week, Jim, about uh, the future for autos. What's yeah. on that tonight? Okay, uh, we got Jerry Jones. Uh, he's a man, by the way. Comstock is is basically his company, which is a big natural gas company. He thinks natural gas is bigger than what we're seeing here, which is uh, Frisco. We're in Frisco, which is a very little town. They built this star world here, and I find it very exciting. Uh, Southwest Air, let's get to the bottom of what's going on. This is not an earnings call, but I think we all want to know what happened. They spend enough tech. Why is there so, so many problems in the what I regard as the best-run airline for my in most of my lifetime? And then Kotaro, which is another natural gas and oil company, with a guy named Tom Jordan, who's probably, I think, knows much more about the business than almost anybody in it. He's a great operator. I'm very excited to be here. I'm going to go th uh, throw the non-ball around with the team. You can't see. Uh, they're not able to throw balls in this practice. Then I got a chopper. Well, you always want a chopper, right? And we're oh. going to chopper down. We're going to chopper over to Philadelphia. And, and be in the right place, which is with the Eagles. They don't know that. I'm going to hijack the chopper. It's never been done before. <laughs> wow. Who's still, there's somebody working out back there, too. What's, who are those guys? It's the real team. They're allowed to, they are allowed to work out as long as they don't touch a ball, which is pretty amazing. Now, Dak did – he won my fantasy league. He was my quarterback. So I'm going to go down. I, I feel like he's my brother. So let's see what he does. I, I hope the playbook is he in was the safe my quarterback. space where Jim can't get his paws on it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, enemy, these are nice guys. We beat the heck out of them. It's been a little while since they've been. I am, I, I am undercover here. I'm <laughs> undercover, guys. Yes. Thank you. Very low key. Uh, Jim, I'll see we'll you see tomorrow you in, uh, in New York. Thank you. <laughs> Looks like a blast. Mad Money, uh, 6 p.m. tonight. After the break, uh, don't miss our exclusive with Coke CEO James Quincy on the company's latest earnings. We're back in a couple.
You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer.